Good morning. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to uh, share the word with you. And I'm appreciative of Pastor Lee for asking me and having that much faith in me to, to do so. And I want to start off this sermon with a, a question. Have you ever had a conversation with someone probably younger uh, where you felt like you're just out of touch with their generation? Now, last week, I was taking some of the youth from El Segundo to go play laser tag. And one of the, the youth, he asked me if he could, um, if he could play some music in, in the car. And so I said, okay, you know, just, just please filter it, right? Just, you know, think about it, right? And he said, okay, I'm going to play you some classic rock. And I go, okay, uh, I'm expecting something like Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin or maybe the Eagles or the Beatles. And he starts playing this song. And I recognize this song. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this song came out when I was in high school. And he's calling this classic rock. And I'm thinking, no, 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 this is still contemporary. And then I start doing the math, and it's like, wait, this came out 15 years ago. And then I start having this kind of crisis where I'm like, oh, I'm like vinyl. I'm, I'm old, but I'm cool because I'm old. And I'm coming back into fashion, right? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't even know who Aerosmith or Led Zeppelin is. Maybe you might actually be out of touch with those that grew up in the 60s and the 70s. And I think we all have this experience, and it's just part of life, that we just feel out of touch. And in order to lead these youth, I have to be in touch with their life experiences because I need to know what's going on with their lives. And so occasionally I will listen to their music. And I do this because when we have a leader who is in touch with our experiences, we feel a sense of commonality with them, that, they have a, that they're able to lead us better. But this works both ways, right? If we have out-of-touch leaders, those that we don't feel that are, share our common experiences, we feel that they can't properly lead us. Maybe they're elected officials or they're our bosses, whoever they may be. If we feel that they are out of touch with our experiences, we feel that they cannot properly lead us. And honestly, it feels this way about God too. That God who is always supposed to lead us, sometimes it feels like God is out of touch with our experiences. It feels like God is out of touch with us and out of touch with this world. Now, our world more often feels that it's in chaos rather than in harmony. Puerto Rico still doesn't have power. There are still Syrian refugees who can't find a home. They can't find a place to go. Houston, Texas is currently rebuilding. People, the families that lost children in the shootings in in Florida are still going through the process of what it means to go on with life. And even in the midst of the world's chaos, our lives often feel like they're in chaos too. Maybe it's small things with just uh, issues with our family members or just small stresses in the home. Or maybe it's larger things like financial worries or job worries or maybe joblessness or places of being sick or going through depression or whatever it may be. We feel that our lives could be in chaos as well. And it would seem that God is out of touch with this world and our lives. Now this was an all too familiar feeling that the audience of the book of Hebrews was feeling at this time. They were facing persecution and some were even falling away from their new faith in Christ because of what was happening to them. Their lives and the world around them felt like it was in chaos. 
And with this in mind, knowing this, the author of Hebrews writes this verse that uh, Donna had read to us. And I encourage you to follow along with the Bible as I read it again, um, beginning in chapter 4. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. I'm sorry, this is in verse 14. Let us hold to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness. And because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it only when called by God, just as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Amen. So I was told I needed to unpack this verse for us, that Hebrews is kind of this book in the back of the Bible that we might not touch all that often. But essentially, what the author wants to tell his readers is that Jesus is our eternal high priest. It's pretty straightforward. But the high priest was understood as the mediator between God and humanity. They approached God on behalf of the people and offered gifts or sacrifices. Uh, they offered prayers for the people, and they went, on, they went to God on behalf of the people. But the author has some work to do in order to, to establish Jesus as the high priest. That's the issue here. And first, there's this conflict between... Uh, there's a conflict that's understood by the audience. And that is that if you've you know, listened to the Christmas story, we know that Jesus comes from the line of David, right? The Messiah is supposed to come from the line of David. And the all too familiar Christmas story where Joseph and Mary need to go to Bethlehem because he is, uh, Joseph is from the line of David. And what this means is that the Messiah cannot be from the priestly line because the priestly line comes through Aaron, which comes through Levi, and David comes from the line of Judah, and Judah and Levi are brothers. If you recall the 12 tribes of Israel, and so they cannot be from the same line. And so there's this issue that's happening, right? But there's this other option of a priesthood line that's open that uh, maybe the audience hasn't thought of, and the author of Hebrews brings this forward, and he says that he is a, he is a priest from the line of Melchizedek. And Melchizedek is a mysterious person. He's not mentioned actually very often in the Bible at all. And when I kind of talk about him, I refer to him as a mystery man because he's mentioned only twice, once in Genesis and then again in Psalms. And in Genesis 14, 18, he's only mentioned in this one line. And it says, And King Melchizedek of Salem brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. 
Now, Melchizedek, his name means king of righteousness. And he's the king of Salem, which is essentially peace. And so he is the king of righteousness and the king of peace. And honestly, this sounds a lot like Jesus, right? Now, the thing about him is he's so mysterious that he has no genealogy. There's no list of who his parents are, who his father is, and if he had any sons or if he passed away. And so since genealogy is passed through, your, through, um, through the fathers and there's no recorded death or fathers or anything like that, this legend about him grows that he never passed away and that he is this eternal high priest, that he establishes the eternal line. And whether or not that's the case is, is, not, you know, is not important, but essentially his tenure as priest never ends because there's no record, record of his death and his successor. And it's not like the author of Hebrews just chose a priesthood lineage that wasn't from Aaron. He's looking at Psalm 110, the other time that uh, this name, Melchizedek, is offered to us. And this psalm is understood as messianic, meaning that it's, it's looking forward to the coming Messiah. And it just simply says, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. And so, to the author of Hebrews, Jesus is the Messiah, right? Check. Uh, the author, yes, that Jesus is the Messiah. So Jesus must also be a priest forever in Melchizedek's line because he's the Messiah. Check. So let me kind of unpause from unpacking this verse for a bit. Now the reason why I, I like the idea of Jesus being our high priest forever is, is twofold. First, it completes this larger picture. Okay? In Israel's history, there are three great classes. There are kings, there are prophets, and there are priests. We know Jesus as our eternal king. Okay? That's kind of a given. But in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus is referred to as a prophet. He's greater than a prophet, but Luke attributes prophetic kind of qualities to him. And so Jesus also is a prophet. Now what the author of Hebrews does is he brings this idea that Jesus is also our high priest. And so these three great classes of Israel are all fulfilled within one person, Jesus Christ. The second part of why I like Jesus as our high priest is Priests are supposed to stand in solidarity with the people whom they represent. And a good high priest relates, is able to relate to the weaknesses of the people that he represents because they too have gone through those weaknesses. And so what this verse drives home for us is that the author of Hebrews is writing to the chaos in the audience's lives. He knows what they're going through. And he's very much saying that Jesus can relate to this chaos. That he's not some distant deity that is up, you know, in this, this realm that cannot relate to hum- humanity. But that Jesus is very much in touch with the lives of the readers. And is very much in touch with our lives as well. And so as our eternal high priest, Jesus relates to our humanity, our pains, our sufferings, our temptations, the shortcomings we have, and advocates advocates on our behalf. And so we have an advocate who is both 100% God and who has also gone through the full range of the human experience. We have an advocate who wept alongside Mary of Bethany when her brother passed away. The same advocate who weeps beside us when we lose a family member. We have an advocate who stood 
up to scheming religious leaders who brought him a woman caught in adultery, the same advocate who seeks to forgive us and not to condemn us. We have an advocate who, upon seeing the transactions and money changers in the temple, a place that was meant for prayer and for worship, drives these people out and takes justice into his own hands. The same advocate who stands beside those who seek justice today. We have an advocate who approached the crippled, the leprous, and the blind when no one else wanted to be in their presence because of uh, being scared of being infected themselves. And the same advocate who sits beside us in the hospital room and who is also with the doctors and the nurses who take care of our sick. We have an advocate who called the children to him. The same advocate who shares in the joy of parenthood, of motherhood, of fatherhood, of grandparenthood. And we have an advocate who tells us to step out onto the water in faith, despite the chaos all around us in the waves, telling us to focus on him, to focus on him, knowing just how hard it is for us to step out onto the water in faith. We have an advocate who went to Calvary, knowing just what he was about to go through, knowing and willfully going to that cross, taking the burden of sin upon himself, the same advocate who resurrected three days later and places that resurrection power within us. What an advocate we have in Jesus. Amen. He is our eternal high priest who is not out of touch with our experiences. So let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, knowing that within the chaos and injustices of this world and the chaos of our own lives, whether it's job stress, issues at home, depression, sickness, whatever might be going on in your lives, we can find grace in our time of need. Come to him knowing that he understands. Come to him knowing that he will act. Come to him knowing that he will hold us now and forevermore. Amen.